0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Howdy, folks. Welcome back to Viva the Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to talk all of the things covering the Bearcats. Exciting and disappointing, and not a whole lot of excitement lately. Uh, We, of course, are the 1012 representatives of the Cincinnati Arms, so make sure to check out our network as well as our sponsors, Charlie Hustle, which we will cover more later in the show. Steve, we are on back to back losses. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame people if they just didn't want to listen to anything at this point in the season, if they're just tired of watching games. I know I'm tired of watching games. I'm tired of having hope, um, which you and many other people have uh, looked cast cast your aspersions upon me for having hope. um, And yet I still try to find hope. And uh, I think it's gone now.
0: Well, I don't mean to cast aspersions on you, per se. Uh, I'm just trying to just, you know, I, I think try to live a healthy lifestyle while bad things are happening to us. And um, I, I tell myself that if I prepare myself for something to happen and it happens, I won't be as disappointed as if I, like, you know, think something might happen and it doesn't. So I think that's part of growing up, Justin. Um, unfortunately, you you lose that. Uh, childhood uh, gleam of anything can happen. And you start to come to the realization that uh, Cincinnati is now one in 25 in their last 26 games against top five teams. So uh, do we
1: really need to say much else? I think we can just send it. <laughs> just <laughs> it upload.
0: Thanks everybody. Appreciate you. Uh, Have a good one. Support Charlie Hustle, uh, support <laughs> 12 podcast. No, please stay. We got some good stuff for you.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, let's just unpack this one tonight. Um, So we are fresh off of the 11th straight loss, the 11th straight loss. It's a, that's double digits. That's a fat number. Um, You know, I didn't think it was going to get any better. Yeah. Specifically to Houston. I mean, it it feels like 11 straight to just this season, but uh, you know, I, I didn't think that the season was going to get any better. Um, Certainly the opportunities were there. Um, clearly, you know, some of the talent upgraded, um, in certain places. And then some of the talent went out with the, uh, you know, portal, some of the talent went out with graduation. Um, and so I think it's a difficult year to try to get one over on, uh, a number one Houston who is 15 and zero heading into this game and, uh, more of the same. I mean, I think that this is just one of those games that unfortunately the Bearcats, found themselves in a very early hole had to climb out of it then the second they go on their run it's not enough the other team finds out how to play basketball again they run up a lead we find out how to play basketball and it's just this little step ladder up and up and up but we're always behind and we're always chasing the entire time um and unfortunately you know you too little too late. And I think we could probably groundhog day that for 90% of these losses too little too late. I don't really think there's been a loss. That's been a blown lead or just a horrible, horrible combination of everything. That's just been terrible uh, except for TCU, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh- <laughs> well, we were up by 11 against Oklahoma state, but uh, you yeah, know, I don't have to get into that. That's fair. But, uh, Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. You're right. It's every game has had against Virginia. We're uh, (laughs) again. I'm sorry.
0: I'm bringing bringing up. No, you're
1: but you're right. You're right. I mean, this is the thing with the season. It's just like it's hard to really pack in like what's been the problem, like what's been the consistent issue. Um, And I think that, you know, we can really get into that and unpack that a bit more. But specifically against Houston, Houston's just a damn good team. I know some some of these Houston fans are going to clip that. Go right ahead. Houston is a damn good team, and they deserve the respect. There's a reason they're the number one team in the country. There's a reason that they beat us 11 straight games. There's a reason that they have beat pretty much every other Big 12 team. There is a reason that Houston is as good as they are, and it's because they've been playing at this level for a long time, and Cincinnati has been so far behind. We have just not been able to catch up um, you know, close scores or not, you know, there's really, at some point you can't find the silver lining and losing 11 straight to a team.
0: We've been trying to, uh, catch up to them for, well, ever since the the short man left. Uh, and then the next short man came in Uh, (laughs) had a tall man there for a little bit, but we don't like to talk about him. Uh, the slender man. (laughs) Yeah. It's just 11, 11 straight. Um, I do want to say too, like, I you know, they Houston obviously came out hot 14 to to start Cincinnati kept fighting back, kept trying to claw back in. And, you know, uh, I think the best way to listen to, the, to these games, especially when the Bearcats losing are just to <laughs> turn off the rate of uh, the TV broadcast and listen to Dan and Terry, because they bring light to any situation. They make you laugh and they That's just true. have a good time. I tweeted it out from the account tonight, but um, uh, Dan Horde was talking about at halftime, how he was scared of monkeys birds and mimes he they they all gave him the willies and then he dropped his fake id name uh, from back in the day at syracuse so uh, again great to listen to them but as you would expect homers gonna homer they were a little bit just like you know they obviously they have a lot of respect for houston and justin i know you said the houston fans are going to clip it i hope they do because we've been pumping them up all season especially when the houston fans have been like talking trash to them and yep Look what Houston did tonight. They let BYU walk in to Allen Fieldhouse and beat them by eight tonight. Kansas, uh, Kansas, yes, yes, yeah, Um, yeah, Kansas. And you know, we we all know that Houston is a really good team. Like they, they probably have a really good chance to win the league. You know, whatever you got to do, Houston fans. Knock on wood. I don't care Um, (laughs) uh, if it's not UC. I don't care. But you know, it's it's just this is who we want to be and. To consistently just like have yourself not be even in a position to be close, like they do, they did the thing again, Justin, that they did against uh, eggs and they did against Kansas, where they got like within five with like forty seconds left, and you're like, this is just like holding the carrot out and hoping that we expect to get excited. Like it's it's not really a reason to get excited because you know you have this much time left and you're still down by two possessions and you have to keep playing the free throw game. And I'm sure every Cincinnati opponent shoots 100% within the last five minutes. Like it's, it's not even a question. They all shoot hundred percent. So it's, it's just frustrating, but here's the thing, Justin, and we'll talk about it later when we talk about Wes, but I think the reason that people are getting more upset now is, you know, Brandon, we were willing to give some time to, but then everything just fell apart. Obviously, mick needed about a a good five years to make the tournament but a completely different era right now there's literally no margin for error like we saw last year uh as much as we hate them those guys across town they were able to just build a roster out of thin air and go to the sweet 16. like it's just so frustrating um i mean like you know we've seen arkansas do it unc looks like they they are just completely back to where they were two years ago after missing the tournament last year. Um, it's just the, the margin for error and people's patience is just going to continue to wear thin especially yeah. if these things don't eventually start to produce wins and results. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of like at the point where we shouldn't expect to like win this game we should expect to be close because we do keep games close but in this houston game it's been 11 straight times where the nail the hammer has hit the nail and as expected you know the nail does not fight back
1: yeah i mean i think uh this whole season but really against playing houston i feel like you can equate it to the truman show (laughs) You're just living inside this dome, and sure, there's some little, some nice things here and there, but eventually, you find out that you're just stuck, <laughs> like, and there's not really a way out. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I, I don't see how this situation against Houston, I don't see that how the situation against the Big Twelve um, gets better with the way that things have currently been going. I, it's it's a very difficult situation to try to turn around when your talent is lackluster. Um, you know, I, I think that it's not even just a talent. I think, you know, some of it's coming down to coaching. Some of it's coming down to, <clears throat> you know, just preparation. And I think on top of that, you also have to fight with the fact that it's like, you can do all those things that are within your control. And then you're just going to have good teams. So it's like, you're, you're fighting this uphill battle in which you were, Definitely not prepared for going into this conference, um, and we'll we'll get into that and unpack that a little bit more. But you know, I, I think with Houston, we're just going to be consistently behind this team for a long time until the talent really starts showing up and until that Big Twelve recruiting starts hitting. You know, this is a thing that I, I just tweeted out a little bit ago, but um, it's a thing I firmly believe in. It's like Houston has been playing at this level for so long; they have. This is not like an overnight thing. Um, and Terry actually mentioned this earlier on his broad on the broadcast. Um, but when you look at the situation that we had in Cincinnati, like we were the top dogs in the American, like Cincinnati was the team to beat. And Calvin Sampson was there the whole time watching, waiting and, you know, Mick left and he was like, whatever that mantra was from that 2018, 2019 season. I think it was just like, we're going to be the toughest team in America or something like that. and, That's it. I mean, that's the key. Like no matter what you do, as long as you go out there and you hustle, you play hard every single play, you give the other team no fucking room to breathe. None at all. Like suffocating defense. Every single play. It's exhausting. It's a very tiring way to play, but expect that from your players. Expect that from them. When you recruit them in, they made a really tough team in Houston. And there's a reason that that machine has continued to just eat and has not slipped up and it's just, and it's just continued to grow. And it's because of the way they recruit. It's because of the type of player they recruit. And it's the type of expectations that they have from their players. Um, and I think that that's one of those things that mindset wise is very different from our two programs right now. Um, and, you know, that's a, not just a big 12 mindset, but that is a national championship contending mindset. that is, we're going to be us and we're going to, you know, play hard every single game. And it's not going to, we don't care who's in the gym. We want to beat the shit out of them. Like that's, that's Houston's mentality. And all those guys can boss you up. Like they, they don't, they slip up very rarely. And that's, you know, I think one of the things that I really admire about Houston's team. And I just wish that we could get back to that because for a while, you know, we did such a good job defensively. And, you know, we really harped on those deflections. But when you watch like the game tonight, you know, if Houston wasn't getting the steal or if they weren't creating the turnover, they were knocking the ball out of our hands 24 seven. Like, you know, if there's I don't even know, I'd have to look at the exact stats on it. But um, in this game, Houston had a grand total of 15 steals and three blocks uh, creating 19 turnovers in total. Like that's, and you know, we, we had some unforced ones, but some of that is really just playing Houston. And I think when you look at that and just that ability to dominate a team defensively, it doesn't matter if your offense is good or bad. Cause they did not have a very good offense tonight. You find a way to win. You This is, these are the rock fights that Cincinnati used to play in. It was used to controlling, and now I think we're just in a tough part where we don't really know what our identity is. We're not a defensive team anymore. We're definitely not an offensive team. We're not a three-point shooting team. We're not a mid-range team. We're not a team that's successful at the line. We're, we're a rebounding team. But rebounding only gets you so much. You have to control something else. And I think they've just done a pretty poor job of controlling some of those other factors that really like shape and form the identity underneath Wes Miller and what this team is supposed to be in the big 12, because I can guarantee a Houston knows what their identity is. Kansas knows what their identity is. You know, Iowa state knows what their identity is. Like these teams have that. We just don't. Yeah. And I think it's going to continue to be that way until we figure it out.
0: Yeah. And I mean, again, number one team at their house, like they, they probably didn't play that well, especially in the second half. Like, Mm-hmm. I had people, I saw people on the timeline like wondering if Houston is a national championship contender because they didn't shoot the ball well against Cincinnati. And okay, let's all settle down there. Number one, where yeah. I, I know the defense is good, but where you know they were up by what like they were up pretty comfortably at most points in the second half is not like they needed to create offense quickly. And their defense was good enough to basically just hold us at arm's length the entire game. Yep. Uh, and especially the entire second half. So I think they'll be fine Two, um, This was also without like Jamal shed really making an effect on this game. He had nine points. Uh, yes. And five of those were free throws, but uh, at halftime he had missed his last 17 consecutive shots. Like <laughs> uh, imagine if he had knocked a couple of those down and like, you know, sharp was three of 12. Uh, there's a couple of guys that were just missing buckets. Um, Wes did talk about how he liked, how his team played despite that first four-minute stretch um, where we could not make a bucket, especially if they were open um, mm-hmm. and shooting 26% from the uh, from the three-point line. Will uh, that'll do that? Um, here's the thing, Justin. Let's talk about that as part of TCU as well. But I think at this point, other teams have figured out that they know that we cannot shoot the three-ball that well, so they're willing to give us those open looks because they know that we are ineffective in that way and they're trying to take away aziz try to take away that short game that Mm -hmm. jizzle has anything within the paint they're looking to take away and they will willingly let us take those shots on the outside um i'm a Suns fan and last year we had josh akogi uh who was like this was after they got the uh got kevin durant you know durant booker uh i don't exactly remember the other guys on the line. I think Aiton was still in there. God, I'm mm. so glad glad he's gone, but they were relying on Josh akogi to knock down the threes to really make a difference in games. And, you know, that's Josh Okoge, like not really anybody you're going to s- sniff at, you know, this year they have Grayson Allen and Grayson Allen. I mean, college fans will know how much of a pest he was in college, but he's turned himself into a pretty decent role player in the NBA. He's been able to knock down threes. he hit, five on Sunday, like he's, he's hit eight in the game this season. Like he's been able to step up and hit those open shots because obviously now with Bradley Beal on their team, and this is just an allegory, I'll bring it back to UC in a second, but you know, they got Beal Booker and Durant and like those three guys on the floor, uh, no one's guarding to Nurkic out on the three point line, but they're, they're trying to uh, defenses are trying to send more guys to those three players. And if you have so much attention on three players, you need your, your fourth guy to just be able to step out and hit those shots because he's going to be left open most often, especially if he's coming off a, a, a cut or a screen. Right. And if that guy, it, I think basketball really just kind of comes down to who your fourth best player is. And if they're able to really like make those shots. Now I do think we have a really good player in Dan Skilling's number one, and he was kind of not able to do as much tonight. Uh, only had eight points. I mean, you know, that's Houston for you. Um, shout out to Vic. Vic had 11 tonight. Um, CMOS had 11 as well. Um, but the, the thing to me though, is that these, the Houston, what they do well is they just take you out of your game and they, you have to rely on your fourth or fifth guy to be able to make a difference. And tonight, uh, dayday or john newman just weren't able to make that difference uh Mm -hmm. jamil had only had six john's only john really hasn't been able to like add as much scoring recently i think kind of when he got hurt that really just obviously he still brings it on the defensive end but he's just not able to provide as much scoring as he usually does which i think kind of hurts us as well in these games but um i say all that son stuff to say this missing cj frederick of course which you know he he would have been able to help knock down those shots, and he kept us close in some of those games that he was able to play in. But also, you know, if you're if Josh Reed uh, had two wide open threes, wasn't able to knock down either of them. Jizzle uh, missed a few few threes. Uh, Dan uh, went over three on threes. And if they're leaving you either pretty much open or not much, not very contested most of the time, you have to make them pay. You have to make these teams really feel that you feel threatened by your ability to shoot the three ball. And just don't think that UC has been able to do that this year. Uh, we kind of saw that last year where they had that live and die by the three ball thing. Um, and I, I'm fine with it. It's modern offense. I think UC fans have wanted a modern offense for about 15 years now, <laughs> but it's just frustrating when you're doing a lot of ball screens at the top of the key and there's not able to get much movement. There was a couple of like 30 second violations earlier in the game. Um, And you're not knocking down your open shots. It's just like, it's so demoralizing to see your, your team just like have an open three and just break break. But it's the, that's like just so annoying.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> I think the thing that like, you know, I take away from a lot of that too, is just like you said, the, the fourth man, and I think the fifth man too, like, having the other guys be able to create that draw. I mean, and let's look at this. I You mentioned earlier that like Jamal Shedd didn't really put a lot of points on the board, was missing some of the shots. Guy had 10 assists. He probably added another one on there. Yeah, 11 assists, four steals. That's that's pretty damn good. Like that's that's not like an easy thing to do in college basketball. 11 we call that the, the DeJuan, DeJuan Harris game where yeah. you have no shots, but, uh, uh, 10 assists, <laughs> 11 assists on 67 points. So, you know, do the math. That's, that's a pretty high contribution rate. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that, again, I really focus on is because you look at a player of his level, all that he's doing there, you know, the reason that he has 11 assists and he doesn't have, you know, double digits and points is because we're doubling half, half the game. We're focusing on him. I remember towards the end of the game when we started to actually bring it a little bit close and it felt like, okay, maybe there's an outside shot. We doubled shed and then he dribbles left, dribbles right, chucks it straight down the center of the key right in the paint. I was either crier or Sharp or somebody just popped it in. Like, I mean, it was effortless and we're in full desperation mode. You know, on the play before that, like Houston is just doing full press coverage and like we have no room to breathe. And it's suffocating defense. It's like, okay, we scored a bucket. We found a way. Let's turn around and do the same thing that they just did to us. Let's hold him to a point. You you double him immediately and everything disappears. Not in, No other guys are covered. And you leave somebody wide open in, in the paint. And it's just, I think that's where I come back to is like, the thing with Houston that's so impressive. And I think the the issue that we still have is, there's always a second and third and fourth layer behind their defense. And for Cincinnati, like we don't have that. Like it's, you know, you got John Newman or you got Day Day Thomas out on the floor. You got your bigs who are, you know, covering their man. But we don't have that like second help, third help kind of guy who's just behind there. And, you know, I was listening to the um, actual like color commentators broadcast too, and they made a really good point that, with Houston is like their, their defense looks like chaos because they're just chasing after everybody. They're getting their hands up and they're just kind of moving around a lot. But there's a system behind that. And it's not just like scramble and cover everybody. It is a very, very full send, like all points covered type of defense. And there's a reason why we couldn't get a lot of shots up. There's a reason that we couldn't find a good shot. And it was so difficult because we couldn't penetrate past the arc. We didn't want to shoot the three ball because if we shot the three ball, it was contested. We got into inside the paint. And then next thing you know, you have one guy down the paint, but you have two on the outside. The second that our guy dives into the paint to try to score a bucket, he gets a deflection. Somebody gets a deflection off of him. Somebody pokes him from behind and pokes that ball loose straight to their big who then chucks it down court and then they go and score. Like, it's just one of those things that their system is so, so well-rounded and you know, our defense is just, it's so far from that. And I think it used to be very efficient in that way. Um, Of course, we didn't really have the best three point defense, but we were great in the paint, you know, especially in the Mick era. Uh, It was kind of like, just pray that they don't shoot threes. And I think we'll win the game. Um, You know, now it's just, I think the issues are kind of everywhere and it's, it's like I said, it's one of those things that I'm just not sure exactly how we solve. Um, You know, we've kind of like bounced back and forth. So let's just touch on this really fast. Um, The blowout against TCU on the road, uh, Bearcats losing 75 to 57. There's not really a whole lot else to say that really doesn't feel different from tonight's game. Um, 17 turnovers to 12 and you lost the rebound battle.
0: I'll just add, I'll, I'll just ask you one thing because we had talked about this, but um, what is the last like minute and second mark of the game you remember watching before you turned it off?
1: Uh, probably like six, seven, <laughs> six yeah, minutes left.
0: Yeah, I think mine was about like uh, eight minutes. And I was <laughs> like, I think it was like the eight minute media timeout. Like um, for context, I had the Red Spring training game on the main screen with the audio, and the Bearcats were on my laptop, um, muted. One, because I heard that the, uh, the the audio was basically underwater, so you couldn't hear anything anyway, or you didn't want to listen to the audio anyway. But, yeah, so that's basically just about how that, that went on Saturday. Uh, didn't even seem like they were close in the first half either. So it's just, like, you think about tennis, Justin, like the amount of unforced errors that a player can have during a game and that's just them by themselves like the Bearcats combined they do a lot of unforced errors like I think what I think they're pressing like most recently and you know they were able to succeed and win against Texas Tech but they have one win in their last five games um and that was at UCF which whatever
1: um by two points
0: yeah so like (laughs) (laughs) like I just think, like, man, like playing Houston and then Iowa State back to back, I think that kind of hurt their confidence a lot. And then, you know, they were able to get it back with that win at UCF. But those two back to back, three, these three consecutive just like beat down losses, like mentally and physically, it's, I think it's just really hurt them. And Saturday, they were just outmatched.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at it, like I think you make a good point there because you you beat Texas Tech on the road. You're feeling pretty good. And I think this is, you know, a good time to transition to to our point of just die already, uh, because we're looking at the season as a whole. But, you know, you, you have the win at Texas Tech, you're feeling really good after that. You you still have a lot of games, you have a lot of ground to cover. There's a lot of opportunity left. You have the game against Houston, it's a two possession game, number five at home. You feel pretty good about that. Loss, even though it's a loss to Houston and you don't want to lose that game. It is what it is. You understand it. It's at least a closer game. Iowa State, they open it up, turn it over like 25, 26 times. Fucking ridiculous. It's sickening to watch. Uh, but it's tough and you move on. They're a top 10 team. They're probably a two or three seed. You deal with it. At UCF, you win that game. Close game. Should have been more. Should have. Figured that out a little bit more than it was, but you won the game. Okay. There's still light at the end of the tunnel. And then you lose to Oklahoma state. And I think that's where this whole downhill spiral really started is because you lost to the last place team at home, a team that you had no business losing to. And that's just the one that uncorks it. And then you have to follow that up with a tough, tough U- TCU team, a much tougher than they'll get credit for TCU team. You have to play them on the road and then they just cracked it open like an egg, just cracked them open. And I think that when you have that happen, you have to then follow that with the number one team in the country in their house that you've already lost to 10 times in a row. I think the light is just snuffed out. Like, I I really feel like we're at that point in the season where it's not like this team has just flat out given up. I think that it's just been such a demoralizing and tiring season because these guys know that there is talent on this team. Like as, As much as people would like to tell you that this is not a talented team, this is a talented team. This is a very inconsistent, and it's a team that falls short of what they could be. It's just, it's unfortunate, but it is, it is what it is. There is a lot of talent to go around. The problem is that they just don't capitalize on it. The problem is that they don't stitch it all together and make it consistent and do the right things at the right time. That takes chemistry. That takes time. That takes coaching. There's a lot of separate factors that go into that, but individually, these guys are all very capable. It's not like you look at, half this roster and say like there's no business these guys have no business being in the big 12 I think there's a couple guys who are playing up to a higher level than they're used to or should be but mind you still very capable players and I think that that you're just at that point in the season where it's started to wear on you you've just been you know railroaded this whole season and you're just trying to get to the end of it um you know and unfortunately now you got Kansas State Oklahoma on the road and West Virginia at home. You have two very winnable games there. One of those is going to be tough. I don't expect them to win at Oklahoma. You know, if you had any hope, I think you lost it at TCU. I think you lost it tonight. Um, But when you look at those three games left, this is our topic of, of the moment just die already. Like, I mean, (laughs) I think for most Cincinnati fans, as much as they don't want to see them lose to Kansas state or see them lose to West Virginia, like the only, the only shot that you have right now is to beat Kansas state, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and then win one, two, and three games and go to the big 12 championship. If you do all that and you lose in the big 12 championship, you probably still have a shot. If you don't go undefeated, up until that point, you're done. You are cooked. Like there's no chance. And I think it's done now. Like I feel like it's pretty much done. So I feel like we could probably all let go of it. I have mentally let go of this situation. I just know that through through theory and math, there is a possibility. But if you're holding on to hope after tonight's game, I kudos to you. It's there's just there's nothing left for this team. Other than to win the Big 12 tournament. Like that's, that is your only chance really for the rest of the season, unless you stitch together a miracle six game winning streak after losing, after winning what? Three of your last 10. I don't, I don't know what else to say to that. I'm just, I'm hoping that they just finish it off and I can just let go.
0: (laughs) So we got, we had cardiac Kemba in 2011 who is the uh uh should we say like saucy skillings like who who's the guy that like you know dan shulman is gonna shout out like after he hits like the game winner to win the big 12 championship saucy skillings
1: <laughs> like i don't think it's gonna be Dan Skillings. <laughs>
0: yeah b- probably not I mean, cj frederick comes out of the tunnel like walt frazier back in 1974 and just uh uh just puts up like four threes and like does, does the Jordan shrug on his way to icing the, the Bearcats becoming a bid stealer in the tournament. I don't know.
1: I think we're talking too much about the possibility of something that won't happen, happen.
0: <laughs> something that will happen in Kansas city though, Justin, you'll be able to get your hands on some Charlie hustle merchandise. Charlie hustle is based in Kansas city. As you might be able to figure out, they got some Joe's barbecue merchandise, uh, they have some of our favorite Kansas City Chief Travis Kelsey. They have some of his merchandise. They got all of their local teams. They've got all of the Big Twelve teams. Notice I said all, and they've got some more coming up soon. So definitely make sure to check out Charlie Hustle if you're going to Kansas City for the Big Twelve tournament. Use that promo code ten twelve fifteen to be kitted out, decked out in all your Charlie Hustle gear. I'll get you fifteen percent off your first purchase at the website you can just be that guy like you know the lebron guy that's got like all the different jerseys like you can just have like all maybe rob,
1: all... rob Lowe nfl
0: <laughs> yes there you go big 12 yes get that kansas city shirt that says big that has the big 12 logo on it so uh again charlie hustle.com 10 12 15 for 15 off your first order keep your eyes peeled by the way
1: yeah keep them peeled. Um... Speaking of peeling back more eyes, we got some grades. We got some grades that are gonna raise some eyebrows. Midterms are in, baby. (laughs) It is time. I wouldn't even say this is midterms. This is like hmm, this is end of the third quarter. Late February meeting with your counselor and then telling you, like, okay, you missed out on your December, like early application. You didn't get accepted by the time we got to February. Let's look at your options. This is where we're at right now. (laughs) This is the shits hit the fan. And why not just look at your grades and see what your options are? You know, community college isn't bad. I win. (sighs) This is true. Community college is not bad. It's, it's, it is, it is actually a very economical, economical choice. Um, And it would seem that based on some of our votes that some people think Wes Miller should be coaching a community college. So let's get into it. Grading our lovely coach, Wes Miller. Um, I think he had a lot of great one-liners after tonight's win. Uh, Loss, sorry. Oh, I I needed to say a win, but it didn't happen. Um, You know, I think you could argue that Wes thinks every game is a win, even if it's a loss. Uh, there's still something to gain. Um, you know, I think I think the hardest part of grading Westmiller is there are a few factors. We will go through this list, um, but there's a lot of ways to culminate what being a good coach is, especially in the collegiate level. Um, and I'm not going to say that our grading system here is perfect by any means or anywhere close to it looking at a couple of the bigger categories and just seeing how people felt about it. So we took down 10 different categories and we offered it up to y'all. Y'all voted, y'all put in your grades and we made a composite score based on that. But our, our grade categories, our classes, if you will, recruiting out of high school, transfer portal recruiting, talent development, offense, offense, Defense, season-long growth, in-game adaptability, ad- adapt- adaptability, lineup management, game management, and press conferences. Take all that for what you will. Uh, before we give the composite score, we'll give that last. Steve, we put down our own grades as well. What is your grade for Wes's ability to recruit out of high school?
0: I gave him an eight. Um, I do feel pretty good about his ability to recruit. Um, th- the Cincinnati is going for higher caliber, high caliber players. They are successfully recruiting them, and those players are playing and uh, in the system. So uh, I definitely am happy with the way he's recruited out of high school.
1: I would, I would have to agree. I've got him up there at a nine. Overall, I think everything that he's done so far from the high school perspective has been impressive. He's recruited at a level that we have never seen before in Cincinnati. And so you can't really top that. I mean, hats off for our, our examples. This is about as good as it gets. And I think from what you've seen with the talent so far, the talent coming in is capable. So with that said, uh, next category...
0: Um, recruiting. Yeah, so uh we were talking about this today in the in the group chat and for every hit there's been a miss. Um Kalu Izikpe <laughs> comes to mind. Uh, so with that, I'll, I I gave him a 5. I think he's done well, but there's also a couple misses in there.
1: That's fair. Um I was a little more positive on that one. I gave him an 8 and I think the I think the main reason that I give him that is just because you know, you could look at the miss of a pay. You could look at technically CJ. CJ is a great player, but injury prone. And this is the thing that we knew coming in. But then you also look at some of the wins. Aziz has been a very positive addition to the team. You look at last year, Landers Nolly. He is playing at an NBA level, folks. He is a talented, talented player. And we stole him away from a conference member when we were still in the American. So to have that, I think it just, I I think he has the ability to do that. And I think he has a a smart use of the portal, uh, but still not perfect. And I do agree. There is a lot of work to be done there, but I think his talent evaluation of that has not been bad. I think, you know, just not everybody always works on the roster. Um, Next. Go get the go get the Holmes this year. And uh, that'd be nice. That'd be real nice. I mean, Mans has put himself into a Wooden Award contention. Uh, Another Dayton player, Wooden Award. Who would have thought? Um, Talent development, Steve.
0: So I am a little bit harsher on him for this, um, and I gave him a three. Uh, And here's why, Justin. Uh, Rayvon Griffith has sat on the bench for a year, and obviously we've talked about that how he i how i got to see him in person how he probably needed to balk up not as acceptable but i'm fine sage tolentino has not really produced much in what 10 combined minutes of basketball for us mm-hmm. developmental project um, and you know jizzle has been good for us this year i definitely like like what he's been able to do but i kind of wonder if that's more of jizzle being jizzle rather than us develop uh, developing him um dayday has uh not been developed he is still Day um he continues to make the same mistakes and it is just a little bit frustrating um big men have seemed to regress as the year uh, years have gone on and not gotten better um and it just you know to me it seems like either our players hit a ceiling or they're not really getting where they need to be now i will say i'm giving him that extra that three there because look at what he's done with josh reed josh reed has become a solid defensive player look at what he's done with dan skillings dan skillings has become a solid offensive player and like continuing to lead this team from that side but it's just that it's you know i don't want to like say i can develop any better than him but (laughs) It's weird to me that we've got at least two roster spots that are just being saved for developmental purposes. And who's to say that Betsy and McKinley next year will also not be more developmental prospects. And at some point to me, it's not about who we can develop and continue bringing in here. It's about winning. Like, we – this is Cincinnati basketball, Justin. Like, I definitely – look, I get it. I'm so glad that we recruit these guys instead of just, like, you know, guys. Like, I love Keith Williams, but Keith Williams is not the same as the guys we're recruiting right now, you know. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot more talent in there. And I think sometimes these uh, rating systems give these guys such high stars because there's a lot of potential there. But I think – maybe in the future we need a couple more
1: ready-made basketball players coming in to like yeah. be able
0: to produce right away. And that's hard to do in the big 12 as well.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I gave a little bit more edge to him. I think just for some of the more positive reasons that you were saying, um, you know, between Dan, um, I think Jizzle has shown improvement over this year. I will say, I think a lot of that credit just goes, we knew the talent was there with Jizzle, And I think now it's just starting to show out a bit more on the court. Um, but you know, with Dan, I know a lot of people are going to probably bat an eye at this one. I don't know what the hell happened, but Victor Locken made a lot of improvements and then just fell off planet Earth. So not that you can just ignore that, but seeing the way that he's been through, he was a freshman under Brannon and seeing the way that he has developed underneath Wes, I think he's definitely made strides forward. And I think a lot of that credit does go to Wes and his staff in order to turn him into a better player. Unfortunately, he hit like the world's worst batting lull. uh, And for whatever happened, I don't know what his issue was, but regardless, I think there is still a lot of ability to develop talent in there. I don't think it's all for nothing. Um, You know, I, I think, this is going to be one of those things that we're going to really pay attention to over the next you know, year or two, or depending on how long he has <laughs> based on how he performs. Uh, we'll see. We don't really know. Um, but, you know, I think, I think he's definitely shown an ability to develop talent. Um, and like you said, I mean, I think with Josh, I think even with helping push John a bit too, um, and really helping him, you know, kind of round out his game and, and, and round out, you know, some of these other players, I think he's done a decent job with it. I think it's just <clears throat> you also have to take into fact, like like I said before, some players you can only develop so far. Some players are only meant for the American Athletic Conference that they were recruited into, and some players are meant for the Big 12. Some players are meant for the top flight conferences. I just don't think we have a ton of the top flight level conference players on our team, but I think the ones that are there have developed well so far. So, Take with that what you will agree or disagree. It doesn't matter. Um, offense. We both gave it a five. We'll just put that out there. Uh, we don't need to go into it. A whole lot of detail of that, but defense hit me.
0: I give him an eight. Uh, this is the, uh, one of the things I was highest on. I really, I've really enjoyed what not just our defense has done, but I think what other basketball coaches have had to say about our defense. And that makes me feel like, positive about what we can do and that's you know obviously within the tradition of cincinnati basketball we play hard defense we get out there into the passing lanes we're able to create rebounds and box out and put a hand in dudes faces and i i don't want i don't want like the recent play and just teams having the luckiest roles of all time or like making shots with like a hand in their face to go against west because like Going back to NBA again, you can have a guy in your shirt, like defending James Harden as close as you possibly can, and he still like is able to get that inch of separation and hit it. And like some of we just run into like a a rough stretch where we are just I want to check our luck on canpom, by the way. I'm sure we're still in like the bottom three hundreds. So um but yeah, what do you think about defense?
1: Um for for defense, I have us at a seven. Like you said, I think there is a lot of improvement there, and I do feel pretty good about our defense in general. Um, but I will say, I, I think that I've started to—I don't know. I, I think I think there's a lot a lot good going there, much more than the offense. I'll put it that way. Um, but I, I still have felt that there's a bit more structure that we can add to the team and kind of round things out. And I think that kind of comes down to effort on the defensive end. Um, I think effort on the defensive end is not a performance is different. Performance is very different, but I think effort on the defensive end is a coaching thing. And I feel like I see we, we have effort from a few guys that it's definitely like leading the team. And then for the rest, it seems like they're kind of out on the court. (laughs) And so I I think that the, the hustle is there from a few guys, but I really would love to see again, like you look at Houston as an example, that's coaching. Like, trust me. I mean, from, from what I know about basketball players, like, and from what I've, you know, been around defense is absolutely a part of the game. And certain guys love playing it, but most guys love to shoot. Most guys love to play offense. And that's, you know, what's the game, what the game is for a lot of players. Defense just happens to be part of the game that you have to play sometimes. But I think a lot of that comes down to coaching. And I think just having all those guys giving 125% every single possession, if you can really, like I said, hone in on that and you don't need, you don't need stellar defensive players like i wouldn't even say that all of our players like through mix era were stellar defensive players but he coached that into them and made that a system made that a mentality that if you're not playing defense and you're not giving 120 on every possession you're getting pulled out of the game if he catches you slipping on a defensive possession you're out like i want that kind of mentality still in the team and i think that that's where that could still improve but like I said, I think they've made a lot of strides on defense. I think it looks good. Um, I just want to see that effort continue and like see that from every player um, on every possession. I know that's a lot to ask, but coach it into them. coach it into them. make it every single play. Um, we're, we're taking a little while on this, so we'll, we'll kind of speed through the last few ones here. But uh, remaining categories left season long growth. Uh, this one's kind of a deep question. Uh, you gave it, you gave it a three. I gave it a five. Um, not a whole lot of disagreement there. I think overall the perspective is that probably I would assume for you, I'm I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll speak for you here. They have not really grown over the season. They, they, they grew up into the first front half of the big 12 and then plateaued and have tailed off and you, you can see it. You can see, I wouldn't even, you could call it regression. I wouldn't say it's just outright like bad, but it has not been great. And I think they started off a lot hotter and I think that the season wore on them. Um, but some of those issues that were issues when we played Xavier and when we played Dayton and back in those early quad one games are still issues now on our quad one games all of this part of the season later, turnovers, you know, careless turnovers, stupid mistakes, over committing, like taking dumb shots, shooting too early into the clock. Like, there's certain things like that. Not making think, open shots. Yeah. Not making open shots. Not making free throws. I will say free throws, I think, have actually improved. Got a time. little
0: bit better. They, they started um, running them while they're or shooting them while they're tired. That's why.
1: Yeah. That's- but overall it's an old I, skinny podcast joke. <laughs> I think overall they just have not shown a lot of growth this season at least. Um you could look and, at other seasons too, but
0: and for me I'm kind of like mixing season long growth in game adaptability and game management kind of like giving them similar grades because Yeah. You've seen over the past 3 seasons how, you know, just will be up in games like into the second half, up 10, up 11. What were we up at, like, ECU last year? We were up, like, 22 or, like, right. 20. Like, there's been multiple games where they've had double-digit leads with, like, 10 minutes to go in the second half and just completely, like, blew it away. And the difference between last year and this year, it's a completely different set of players that are playing in those games. Still, right. what happens, Justin, they lose the lead. And yeah. it's just just frustrating. That's why I'm giving him such low scores there, just because, um, like, for example – I uh we'll move on to the next one uh in-game adaptability i gave a three to as well just because Mm -hmm. and you're a little bit higher on me you're a six but man it just seems like you know we're still giving up open threes later into the game or we're not contesting those shots later on and i understand our guys get tired we probably only can run five or six guys that really have that caliber and we have to run out some of those younger guys at times but like just during games that you can see when we start to wear down, it's about that 30 minute mark, which is yeah. like why we have the strength factor, like the monster factory. Right. Like I'm not calling out him, but man, like I, I definitely some of this stuff, like our strength and our stamina have not been as good as they were in the AAC.
1: Yeah, I think part of that, though, too, like when you say that, it's one of those things that it might just still be an AAC level.
0: Yeah. And and not, you know, that's not, but still,
1: like, I think it's like expecting that your same staff and everything is going to be making big strides between the AAC and the American and prepping these guys and being different. I I think it's just, it's it's not saying that they're not ready, but I think it is a, it's struggling to expect that that's going to be a similar level of stamina and wear on your players the muscle that you're going to need I mean we've seen the guys just get back down in the paint we've seen them just get absolutely blown by on you know from some offenses that just quite frankly like we should be keeping pace with defensively but you know overall like I, I think I think Wes has shown an ability to to try different things in games and I think that he's actually you know He's shifted some of his, his strategic choices throughout the season um, based on, you know, this situation at hand, which has been okay. But, you know, moving forward to like lineup management, uh, a lot of people were not really fans of that. Um, I, I personally have not really been much of a fan of that either. I think that the lineup management, of course, you know, comes down to some of your talent. But it's one of those things like we said this a long time ago. If you look at just this situation, I know you can choose whichever ones you want, but if you look at the situation with like Day Day and Jizzle, it's like people can call for what they want. I think Day Day makes sense defensively. I think Jizzle makes sense offensively. It took until we played Oklahoma, no, TCU, Oklahoma State. I think it was TCU. It took until that point in the season that we saw Day Day and Jizzle out on the court at the same time like this no, is something we, they, we started seeing them a little bit earlier running running like full five six minute sets no
0: like i thought at, it was the ucf the, game because like they had a big they had a big man down and we were running running both but like that home ucf game but still well, right.
1: yeah. yeah i mean it's i think that i think what i'm saying is like overall here like there's been a clear advantage to try to use and i, I think this is one thing that this is a, this is a gripe that I have in general, and I'm not going to go into too far, long tailspin here, but we, the lineup management so far, I think has really shown that we're trying to avoid players weaknesses and not try to capitalize on their strengths. And I think that's where I've seen some of the issues of like, if you look at the situation here, if you look at, you know, even guys like Vic, and Jamil and Aziz trying to manage that big rotation, trying to figure out how all these guys work together. I feel like a lot of it's been, you know, we might not have this advantage here. We might not have this or this or that, but look at what our specific advantages are against certain teams. Look at what each guy on the court that you're putting out there provides you and play those strengths when you need that strength on the court. If you need offense, throw the offensive guy out there. If you need defense, throw the defensive guy out there, but don't throw all of the defensive guys out on the court at the same time when you need offense, when you're down 10, don't throw all the defensive guys out on the court to try to stop the bleeding play to win, throw some guys out there that can get you a bucket. I feel like we've just kind of been, it's everything's so reactionary and it's not really proactive in a lineup management, which I feel like has just been part of our struggles this year. We've just not really been able to like, do multiple things at once it's been like push and pull and push and pull and that, from the, that to me has been annoying
0: from this uh from a starting lineup point that and like that's kind of where i give a little bit of a higher grade here i give a six um i do think that him kind of by being forced to have to play different starting lineups like through the preseason i think it's gotten a little bit better and dan is rightfully taken a starting role as the season has gone on. And I think that's that was the right decision. Dan's been probably your best player all season, and especially in conference play. So I think just get the, just that decision and not like being stubborn or anything, like letting the best mm-hmm. players play, I do enjoy that. And taking Vic out um, when we were running that too, too big lineup and it wasn't working, I do like that. I like that he was a, a able to adapt into that. But then, you know, leading into, like, kind of, like, the game management thing, like I said before, how many times have we had, like, a 10-point lead, 10 minutes yeah. to go? Doesn't matter the year of his tenure. Like, year one, year two, year three. And then we just, like, lose the lead. Like, it's just something about that, the, those last 10 minutes that I don't think he's truly figured out yet at this level. And I'm willing to give it to him, but I think next year, is when people's patience is really going to start wearing thin. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we all know how hard it was going to be those first two years after Brandon. And then this year with the massive jump in, in talent, but still, man, like at some point, like you can only go so many years without the fans, not like getting upset.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally fair too. Um, I'm looking at my grade. I had a six year, I, <laughs> that's one of those ones that I think uh, I, I was not really paying attention to writing that because I, I think that's where actually one of my biggest gripes has been. Uh, I would actually change that to a three, but anyways, I think the game management definitely has been rough throughout the season. And, and I think, you know, we've seen that, like you said, blowing leads is one thing. I think again, it kind of comes down to, situational awareness he's he's created an ability for us to get back into a lot of games which which is where I will give him some credit um you know clawing back in some games but I think the other issue is getting the team prepared to play in the first half that's been the biggest issue this entire season like you could try to pinpoint a million things this team has sucked in the first half of every single game there have been maybe less than five games through the entire Big 12 slate that we've had a lead at the half. We've constantly had a clawback from some stupid deficit. And sure, maybe credit goes to another team for scoring or you know doing something well uh, that, that's giving them the advantage. But realistically, we've dug ourselves in those holes many times with stupid turnovers and other things like that. I think it's just comes down to just not preparing them enough, not being able to manage that situation at the time in hand and get things right. I mean, I think we've, like I said, we've seen that at the half. I think we do come out of the half, you know, generally pretty well with a, with a good mindset to win, try to try to go and win. But the issue is everything happens too late. And I'll say this too, as my last point on this, there's so many games where I genuinely feel like our team is just, it hits that like three minute, four minute mark. It doesn't matter what the score is. And they're like, all right, let's go out and win. It's like, let's focus on that final four or five minutes. Let's focus on that last run and let's try to win that last run. And that's when you see this team turn on in the last like four or five minutes but they're coasting through the entire first half. They're trying to claw back through the you know, three quarters of the second half. But it's that last little quarter, that last eighth of the game where you see them play at a high level. And that's what's been so frustrating. And that's where I really feel like that comes down to making some of those decisions earlier, taking care of business earlier so that you have a lead or that you are winning a game or that you are you are in the driver's seat and not playing catch up at the end.
0: They also like have not been able to like step on the neck too much this year. Like how many they times have we all. seen yeah like how many Never. times have we seen them like get up in like a first half by 10 and then just immediately like lead goes away like that. Now obviously Big 12 they like there's better chances for those teams to come back but like I just I think like once the talent gets better um I, that'll come that'll come back as well.
1: Two, two games that I think we've done at the Big 12 is the BYU game. When we got the lead, we started running it and we held it. And then the UCF game at home, we got the lead towards the middle of the second half and we stuck with it. Other than those two games, all what, six, 15 other games or 15 games in total, 13 other games have just been, we have been passengers. We've been along for the ride. And we've been lucky if we've won. I mean, if you think about this too, other than that win against BYU and UCF, our wins are a four point overtime win against TCU, which quite frankly, we should have lost because we missed two free throws to try to clutch it up and win the game at the end. You have a two point win against UCF and then you have a three point win against Texas Tech, which looks like your best win on the entire season. So, I mean, I think, which I feel like you definitely grinded it out towards the end and you earned that one. But I mean, our, our wins in conference, you know, you you got two of those by where you actually figured out how to play basketball, like a damn good team and resounded, made a victory. The other three are like way closer than they should have been. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I said, I I just feel like that's a, that's a good point is that we just have not taken advantage of any opportunities that we've had. So, yeah.
0: Um, and then, real quick, uh, press conferences nine. Um, if you're going to say the words "pissed," uh, we're coming, Jizzle's uh, coming, uh, and yeah. things like
1: that, you're good in my book. Uh, eight. I'm. I, I think. I think he said a lot of the right things. I think the difference is just making sure all that p- gets put into action. Which, <laughs> you know, I think it's gotten old for some people, but I. Th- I still think he's. He speaks positively about his team, which is better than you can say a lot about 50% of coaches in general, much less how much he's, you know, for his team and actually wants to work at getting better. You can tell that like losing in this way is not just like he's not here for this job, like just showing up like he is genuinely angry that they're losing. He just has a good means of keeping composure for the most part.
0: Uh, the only reason I didn't give him a ten is that after tonight's game, he said, "That's Cincinnati basketball. I can lose with that," which I'm like, Neh. "Don't say <laughs> that. Like, don't, don't admit to." It. He said, "I'm." He followed that up with, "I'm not happy." Uh, everybody say the word. I'm pissed, but we're kind. If you don't want to believe that, I don't want to be around you. So, um, and he's always hoarse after games. Makes it a great, great, great. Press press conference. So, I'll
1: give it a nine. the West Miller starter pack. You got your retro Jordans. You got your five bottles of water. You got your ten packs of gum, and you got a sweaty shirt. <laughs> and you're like completely just voice shot after the yeah. Game, so that's that's your West Miller starter pack right there.
0: So I tabulated that up for a five point five average for me. So he's about like fifty five percent for me on my approval rating your approval rating about 65%, 6.5, so a little bit higher than me.
1: And the moment that everybody has waited way too long for and probably stopped listening a long time ago for. We'll put a we'll put a graphic out. We'll put a graphic and a video up or something. Uh, we tallied up the uh, podcast voters scores and uh, we'll go down the list and then we'll and then we'll just run it. Recruiting from high school, 8.0. Portal recruiting, 5.9. Talent development, 4.9. Offense, 4.5. Defense, 6.2. Season-long growth, 3.7. In-game adaptability, 2.7. Yoik. Uh, Lineup management, 2.6. Oof. Uh, Game management, 3.8. And press conferences, 6.9 for a grand total. Your approval rating for Wes Miller is a... Forty nine percent, a four point nine percent, just short of fifty. I,
0: I I think that's about right. If I think, yeah. I think if we put that graphic out tomorrow and say that fans' approval rating of Wes is forty nine percent, people would be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's about right." Yeah, yeah. That, I, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense.
1: I mean, overall, like I I think most people if, if we wouldn't do this, but if we put up a poll that said. Would you keep West next season or fire him? <laughs> Unfortunately, a little bit 50-50 because people are pissed off, but when they get to the off season, they'll cool off. They'll see the recruits coming in. They'll feel better about themselves. We'll get to beat up on some cupcakes, and then we'll get right back to the Big 12, and maybe we'll be better. Uh, we have talked for an eternity. We are over our budget, so let's just do this real quick. We're going to preview K-State. Let's just preview K-State with this. K-State is 7-8 and eight in conference. The Bearcats are 5-10. and 10. K-State last year was a very good team. K-State this year, not a very good team. You want to know what K-State did last night? They, uh, they- had a lead against West Virginia at home. They went into overtime. Steve, would you like to know how big that lead was? Uh, I'll say 18. That lead cracked open. Where's the exact? There we go. Where's the team? There we go. That lead cracked open to a 25 point lead, which Kansas State blew because they went into overtime. They were leading 56 to 33 with 16 and a half to go in the second half. 20. 522 point lead with 10 minutes to go Oof, been there done that um you know they really blew it and I, quite honestly West Virginia blew it blew this game because West Virginia had to hit some free throws at the end of the game to win it uh and they didn't but k State found a way to manage a, a win there I don't even know really what else to say about that but if you real look quick at
0: this, uh in front of a paltry crowd too compared to what they were getting last year so and for the kansas game this year so the
1: octagon of gloom
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you if you do have tickets for saturday's game please go please fill it up uh we can't have another uh article written by the worst newspaper in cincinnati about how the big 12 has not really moved the needle so uh make us look good please go
1: we'll uh we'll round off with this with our preview Of the last five, we know how it's been going for Cincinnati. Not great. For Kansas State, they beat West Virginia in a knockout, drag them out, give up your lead, loss, win, uh, win in overtime. They had a win against number 25 BYU, 10-point win at home, uh, but they lost at Texas. They lost to TCU by one possession. They lost at BYU by about six. And we'll just tack on an extra one. They beat number four Kansas at home, so they've had an in very interesting year. But I don't know. I think they're still a better team than the Bearcats. Uh, hey, it's a team that you could say it's a should win, but you probably shouldn't
0: expect it to be a should win. Don't worry about it, Tang. Just wanted to get to overtime just to improve his overtime record to twelve and zero. That's true. He just wanted to he really. Knew he had it in the bag. He's just like, come on, let me let me get another one. I get a bonus for every overtime win. Okay. I'm like Randy Edsall. <laughs> so maybe we just, the, the key is just don't get this game to overtime. Just win in regulation.
1: Win in regulation. That would be a lovely thing. Uh, something we have not done very much of. We have failed to do that 10 times in conference play. Um, and actually we technically failed to do that 11 times because we went into overtime against TCU. That's right. With that said, uh, the Bearcats somehow, are a 74% favorite on ESPN's Matchup Predictor, which I think is just very favorable to home advantage in the Big 12, and that's all that really matters unless you're a really bad team and you're playing a really good team. Other than that, middle of the pack, but... Kansas State, like I said, overall, um, they've had a pretty rough go of it this season. It's definitely been short of expectations. Uh, They lost a few good players out of uh, the end of their last season where they made a pretty, pretty miraculous run. Um, But we'll say this. They have three scores above 14 points a game. Um, They have a pretty, pretty deep lineup. They've got a, they've got about nine, 10 guys with 10 or more minutes a game. Um, so they've been running that a pretty strong roster. Um, and overall, you know, I think one of the biggest things to pay attention to here is they, they, like I said, they've had, they've had a rough year, but they still have some key contributors that have been consistent, um, between Perry Carter and Kaluma. They overall, like, they have some solid guys there putting in the work, um, and you know I think that that consistency is really key. Uh, and even though they might not be winning all their games, um, they've they've managed you know some games against the teams that they should beat, and they've you know lost the teams that they should have lost to. Um, you know their their schedule looks kind of kind of similar to ours in, in some respects, but they've definitely mainly lost to the tough teams, except for Oklahoma state, which they also lost to, but that was on the road. So do with that, what you will, but uh, Kansas state for their one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. They are three and seven out of the last 10, uh, which sounds fairly familiar when you're talking about the Bearcats. So do with it, what you will, Steve, Hit us with the Bearcats Sports Wrap-Up and send us to bed. Hey, if you thought
0: uh, the basketball Bearcats have had a rough week, depending on your your sport of choice that is not men's basketball, they might have also had a rough week too. Uh, we won't talk about all of them because uh, it's too sad. But Bearcats Sports Wrap-Up commences in three, two, one, go. Women's basketball, they defeated Texas Tech in Lubbock on Saturday – they got the season sweep over the Red Raiders before they unfortunately dropped to number 21 Baylor at home uh, as we record tonight. And they will visit Iowa State on Saturday. I believe uh, they are coming up. I think they've only got one more week uh, of their season left. So uh, definitely, if you if you can, get out to one more of their last game uh lacrosse defeated central michigan 17 at four at home on friday and uh, remember that scoreline because they won at butler 17 to 4 on sunday uh cam callahan and alexis rich earned aac awards uh for attacker and defender of the week respectively they will host youngstown state and kent state this weekend at nippert so
1: women's lacks on a heater
0: go lax go baby um Baseball, they got two wins over the weekend against Ball State and Illinois, and I would prefer to not talk about the most recent two games they had because uh, it was a lot for the other team and a little for the Bearcats, um, especially today. That was gross. Uh, uh, pitching might need a little work this year, boys. Uh, if you need an arm, you know, <laughs> let me know. I got you. Uh, they will host a four-game series against NIU this weekend at home. Swimming and diving, they will compete in the Big 12 Championships this weekend in Morgantown. Indoor track and field, Justin, who's our man on this show?
1: Tyler fucking worth, baby. Tyler worth, baby.
0: <laughs> he was the best athlete on the weekend for UC, uh, had the highest finish of any UC athlete finished second in the mile this past weekend at the big 12 indoor track and field championships, finishing second to an Oklahoma state runner. So congratulations to Tyler, man. That's awesome. What a great indoor season. Hopefully you can build on it for the outdoor. Uh, Women's tennis, they will host Baylor and TCU this weekend. Uh, Do not look at their most recent result because I don't want to talk about it either. And men's golf to wrap us up, they will start their spring season with a trip to South Carolina this weekend.
1: And that will do it. That is the Bearcats sports wrap wrap up. Steve, well, you know, we've gotten to that point in the year. I think it's just gotten a little bit demoralizing uh, and we've yet again, watched our hopes slip and fade week by week, moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, Steve, give us one glimmer of hope to send us off. As, we are,
0: as we are listening today is only 29 days from your first place division winning I'm calling my shot now Cincinnati Reds Ooh. taking the field for the first time on opening day as they say in baseball and in other sports hope Springs eternal so maybe not for the baseball bearcats but for the Cincinnati baseball red stockings this may be a good year for them so um, as a certain podcaster podcast host on this channel has a ticket for the Reds to win the NL Central at uh, plus 450 so that that might be nice um if they were if they were able to do that and i'm planning to go to my first spring training game this upcoming saturday so if cincinnati bearcat sports has got you down we've got fc cincinnati playing in their second uh, leg of their champions cup on thursday night at home against cavalier fc and then we've got red spring training and opening day coming up soon so Stick with the supporter shield champions and stick with the future NL central division champions. Maybe the pro sports will turn around our luck for
1: once this year. If there's anything that I've learned when Bearcat sports are down, the other sports are up.
0: The rise and fall. (sighs) Families are always rising and
1: falling in America. Isn't that right? This is true. Hawthorne said
0: that from the departed.
1: (laughs) Here's the other little tidbit I'll give you. This is our send off. Today, 72 and sunny. Here in a uh, bright old sunny Nashville, I heard it was like ninety degrees in Texas. I think overall, spring is coming, folks. Spring is coming. We might have a tornado here tomorrow, so we'll let you hey. know because we got a big old storm front coming through, and it is hot as hell outside right now. So I don't know. We've already had one tornado in the past three months. Maybe we don't need another, but you never know. We've got a mini tornado alley in the Midwest here. So, with all that said. Thank you for listening, folks, uh, to a very long one. If you've stuck with us this long, do us a favor. Go over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Leave us a nice review. Steve's pointing to a couple fingers on his hand. Give us a five-star if you would, if you would love to do that. And, uh, yeah, follow us on all our platforms. If you're not already, follow the 1012 network. Follow our friends at Charlie Hustle. Take it easy. And uh, win out or die. That's all you got left. Have a good one, folks.
0: We got to win 13 straight games to get to where we want to be <laughs> this year. Viva, Lockouts, Sports Social Podcast Network.